0: welcome back to the crowd noise podcast everyone i am your host stephen martinez on a thursday may 16th 2019 it's a beautiful day today um you know it's a great day to be alive it's a fantastic day to just go outside go to the park pet a puppy listen to a podcast it's a fantastic day today Uh, and i said last week we'd start this show with some laker drama of course jokingly, I didn't really, I mean, I expected there to be something coming out of the Laker camp uh, that would fill me with disgust and I'd probably have something to talk about on the show. Um, But I was not joking around because as it turns out, there is definitely Lakers news this week. But good news. It's not the kind of news that we've gotten for the past four or five months. The kind that makes me roll my eyes, you know, into the back of my skull and just, sigh the greatest sigh of disbelief the lakers well hang on we'll get into that just a second uh we got some nfl stuff as well is it the first Can do we consider this the first nfl story of the year or the last nfl story of last year what do you guys want to call it because we're only in may we still have june july August is like when preseason starts. See, the actual season starts in like early September. So we got like four months, like four and a half months until the actual season starts. Um, we'll call it the first story of this year because we're not going to get much this summer. I mean, there's rare. The summer is dominated by the NBA as far as storylines. The MLB is the only one of the three major sports that's in season, and yet the NBA is the hottest topic out of. Football, basketball, and baseball. No one talks about uh MLB regular season, even though we're probably gonna have to talk about MLB regular season. But there's no storylines in the NFL during the summer. So I'm glad we got this. Uh some Jets drama, which kinda hurts my heart. Because I was really high going on I was really high on the Jets going into this season. I said Adam Gase was my personal favorite hire of all the coaching hires this offseason. That just looks absolutely ridiculous now we're going to talk about that after uh, after a headline and then uh quote of the week as we do all the time we're going to close it out with some some good stuff here some uh basketball quote of the week so let's go ahead let's get right into it i mean wow there's a lot to unpack here the nba lottery was uh this week if you missed it um don't worry cuz we're going to go over it anyway Uh, And last week I did this whole, I think it was like half an hour or 40 minutes, something like that, just ripping the Lakers to shreds. I mean, just tearing them apart for just the nonsense and the drama and the incompetency that they've been running the franchise with. It's just been absolutely abysmal. Tore them apart last week. And then... In less than a week, because that was last Thursday, the lottery was on, I want to say, was it last night or two nights ago? Not even a full week later, the entire course of the franchise has shifted. In less than, and in the lottery itself, it's like a half hour TV block. The lottery is only about four minutes, really. I mean, if you really count how long it takes for them to list all because that's all they're doing they're just telling you the draft order and it takes seconds i do like the tv show that they televise it but it's kind of uh, i i guess bloated is what you could say the show compared to the, the actual content but anyway um in less than a minute the entire course of the franchise is on an uptick uh the lakers couldn't even tank properly once lebron went down they were still in the playoff chase and then he came back and they couldn't get it done, the injuries, whatever excuse you want to make. I personally don't I'm not a fan of the Lakers. Everyone was hurt. I don't like that argument because when LeBron came back, they were only 3 games back. They weren't that far out of the playoff hunt. So I mean, I don't know how much I agree with that excuse, but whatever, that's fine. And then after that, they they tried tanking, but they didn't they couldn't do that right. So they heard any kind of chances they had of getting a top five pick. And lo and behold, last night, they had a 90% chance. The Los Angeles Lakers had a 90% chance of staying at the 11th pick or dropping down, getting a worse pick out of the top 10. And it's not the NFL, where if you have a top 10 pick, you have a solid pick. In the NBA, you have to have a top five pick pick to have any kind of relevant assets going forward it's rare that you see superstars come out of the top 10 the only one that i could think of off the top of my head is clay thompson he went at number 11 um uh, but clay Thompson's not in this draft class so um you know it, it, it's incredibly rare and clay thompson is he's a rare player himself maybe the greatest shooter of all time and he's in the, he's in that argument with one of his own teammates so it, it's in, incredibly rare that you find a stud outside of the top five let alone outside the top 10 and that's what the Lakers were staring at a pick a quote-unquote lottery pick at number 11 or 12 13 that 90 percent of their chances were to either drop or stay at 11 and I was watching watching the lottery watching the lottery because it's it's a big event you know it it It's a show. It's a spectacle. The NBA is has a lot to do with showmanship. That's what they do. They like to show off. They like to make headlines. You know, and then the lottery itself is kind of you know extravagant. I guess you could say, like, why not just make the draft order the inverse order of your records? And I guess the lottery kind of discourages tanking, and the new formula definitely discourages tanking. Um, So I was watching it. And number 11 came up. Once 14, 13, and 12 went by and the Lakers had not been called, I said, okay, well, they're going to go at 11. They're just going to stay stand pad and they'll have to draft, you know, whoever. They're going to have to do some really good scouting and research to find a really solid player at 11. And then it comes up. The sign is shown, and it's not the Los Angeles Lakers. And I stood up. I was watching the draft lottery, expecting the Lakers to come out at 11. They don't. And immediately they jump into the top four. And I stand up from my seat. I could not believe that they had done it. And of course, it has nothing to do with them. It's complete luck. It's totally up to the stars. Okay? I mean, there's absolutely no control. Especially now with a new formula, which we'll get to in a quick second. It discourages tanking. You have zero control of where you're going to land. You can try and maneuver your way into a good spot, a la the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns. But that is no guarantee you're going to get the number one overall pick. And so they start announcing the top four teams in reverse order from four to one, just to, to dramatize it even more. Um, and the Lakers are the first team off the board. So I said... Okay, you know, not terrible. You wanted to be in the top three because this, this draft has three players right off the bat. Of course, there's going to be a Giannis. Well, maybe not someone as good as Giannis, but there are going to be sleepers in this draft. Absolutely. There's no way that this draft only has three players and that's it. There are players in the draft, but you got to find them, okay? That, and that's, you know, part of the equation. You want to get a high pick so you don't have to necessarily find these diamonds in the rough. You want to just get a diamond in the diamond store. Um so they they didn't get the top 3 which I said that's fine because you know looking from where they came from 90% chance of being 11 or worse I think they'll settle with the 4th pick. And then the big shocker number 3 the New York Knicks. Unbelievable. They I mean it was just a shoe in and again I didn't believe they were getting the number 1 pick because they had the same odds As two other teams, being the Cavs and the Suns. So I don't understand how people just thought it was a foregone conclusion. Zion was going to the Knicks. It's not free agency. It's a draft lottery, which you have to win. It's completely based on luck. So them, even though they had the worst record, that does not mean they have the best odds. In fact, they were tied with two other teams for the best odds. And the team right behind them, or teams right behind them, their odds weren't that much worse than the Knicks Either so I didn't I didn't like their chances chances of getting Zion in the first place I didn't think they were going to get him and lo and behold they did it and actually to Knicks a little message to Knicks fans you ought to be grateful you're in the top three because you could have ended up like Cleveland or Phoenix Pat the Lakers jumped both of those teams or like the Wizards who fell down into I think into the outside of the top ten they had the same odds as you and they fell out of the top five. Did the Cavs and the Phoenix Suns. Excuse me. It was a rough land in there. So the Knicks I should be very grateful. No, you're not getting Zion. You're not getting the huge name, but you get one of the three crown jewels of the draft being Zion, John, ja, ja Morant, or RJ Barrett. Likely for the Knicks, it's gonna be RJ Barrett, unless they decide to trade that away. Um and so this new well, let's get into the next two teams. Here's where it gets even more interesting. The lottery was fantastic, and I think this year was slightly rigged. I hate when people say, oh, it's rigged. I, I, it's just so obnoxious. But this year, I do think Adam Silver was pulling a few strings, and here's why. Because it's the first year of this new formula, no, I'm not going to explain it to you because I have no idea how it works. I didn't know how the draft lottery before worked. I just know the worst record you have, the more ping-pong balls you get, the better chance you have a number one pick. But I don't know how the system works. I don't understand it. Now it's designed to discourage tanking, and clearly they have succeeded in some extent. Teams are going to try. Teams are still going to try and tank for sure. You're not going to stop teams from trying. If like if you are the Knicks, let's say the Knicks don't get anybody, which I don't think is going to happen in free agency. Which I don't think is going to happen. I feel like they're going to get at least one player, but let's just say for the sake of the argument, they get no one. Or your Phoenix, let's say your Phoenix, you get—they're not getting anyone free agency. They got screwed over in the lottery. What is the incentive for trying to win? Because you're not going to, especially in the West. So you might as well try and tank again and just try your luck for another year. So I mean, the teams are not going to stop tanking, but I do think it will give them a second. Thought. It's not as a for it's not a foregone conclusion as it was in years prior, and the first two teams that will be picking in the NBA draft number two. And I said, um, I was watching the draft lottery with my sister, and I said, it cannot be New Orleans. New Orleans cannot be the first pick because it's going to create a domino effect across the league. And the second I finished that sentence, it cannot be New Orleans. The sign comes up, number two, the Memphis Grizzlies, therefore guaranteeing the New Orleans Pelicans take the number one overall pick. And at first I kind of sighed. I kind of slumped over. I was still standing at this point. And I was like, what the heck? What's going on? And then I kind of perked up, fixed my posture, took in a deep breath, and said, this is spectacular. This is only going to make this NBA offseason even better. It's only going to make it that much more exciting. Because now the playing field for Anthony Davis is leveled. Because before the Knicks, they were already, I mean, they it was so set in stone in New York. They were just so confident they were getting the number one pick. They were already planning out trade packages for Anthony Davis, including the number one overall pick. The day of the lottery, They they were already, get, they were already yeah, getting packages together for Anthony Davis. That's how confident they were in getting the number one pick. And honestly, like I just said, I feel like they're lucky to be in the top three. They should be grateful they're in the top three and not outside. And instead, they're complaining and they're whining. And Stephen A. Smith is walking off the of sets on ESPN because they didn't get the number one overall pick. You were lucky enough to get in the top three. And what makes the playing field more level for Anthony Davis is because the Knicks don't have the number one overall pick. This was supposed to be their crown jewel package, their godfather offer, the number one overall pick, the Knicks. And, of course, New Orleans would get basically Zion, um, Dennis Smith Jr., whatever. And they would come up with a package, but the, the creme de la creme, was supposed to be the number one overall pick. And not only does New York not get that pick, it goes to New Orleans. So they don't have to trade with anybody to get Zion Williamson. He's already theirs. He's in their laps. So it's unbelievable. It's only going to make for a fantastic summer in the NBA. We're going to be talking about this non-stop. And, of course, this is that's just one player. That's not even counting free agency. So I can't wait for the off season to come around July 1st and they've moved the free agency timeline back. I think it's like what six Eastern, uh, July 1st or June 30th or whatever, instead of midnight July 1st. So actually the Lakers are going to get a head start, right? No, they're not because every I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's six o'clock Eastern, not six o'clock time zone. And if it was time zone, then actually the Lakers would have to wait. So that'd be a disadvantage. But, um, I don't know, maybe their meetings will be more sunset, you know, rather than just at night. I don't know. Um But this no the the Pelicans winning the lottery, and I'm using quotations here, because well I'll explain that in a second. The Pelicans winning the lottery is just it's fantastic it's a content creator's dream, if you have anything to do with sports, because it this is gonna be a storyline for the next five or six months well maybe not that much maybe not that long what are we in may june july august okay maybe like three months that's still a lot of content think about how many shows i'm going to be making over the course of the next two and a half months that's a lot to talk about um and here we go they're not the reason i use quotations for them being the winners of the lottery this is the whole thing's coming back full circle the lakers are the winners of this lottery you jump from number 11 to 4, and you leapfrog two of the three teams who have the best odds for the number one pick? The Lakers win this lottery. Now, I mean, statistically, factually, I you, yeah, the Pelicans win the lottery in the sense that they got the number one overall pick. But this, sets, uh, this fourth pick, overall pick, and it's not even that great. Like I said, the top three players is where you want to be. But considering from considering where you're coming from, if you're the Lakers, this is an absolute win. Absolute win to get in the top five, top four. And now they have what I feel is probably the best trade package for Anthony Davis. And that wasn't the case a few months ago. This pick makes a huge difference. It's a lot. I mean, it makes it makes a big difference. Now, the three front runners for Anthony Davis are going to be obviously the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Celtics. The reason I feel that the Lakers have to be now the they have to have, I think they have the best package of those three teams. And here's why they have a better pick than Boston. Obviously Boston, I think has number 14. Um, and actually here's a, I mean, crazy stat. The Boston Celtics were one ping pong ball away from getting the number four pick which would have been the Lakers' pick. And the Lakers, like I said, had a 90% chance of not only staying at 11, but falling down. So the Lakers, the difference between the Lakers being at 4 and 14, or basically the difference between the Lakers and the Celtics' swapping picks was one ping-pong ball. Unbelievable. I mean, that's... And, of course, those teams have, like, zero control of what goes down in the lottery machine. It's complete It's complete random. It's total luck. And the Lakers... The ball bounced their way this time. So they have a better pick than Boston, clearly. And I think while Boston does have the better young players, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're not... I don't sense that they're going to give up the farm specifically because of Kyrie Irving. What happens if you trade... And again, ask me July 1st. Kyrie, We have no idea what Kyrie's going to do uh, in free agency. Stephen A. Smith has said that it's like 95 percent. Ago, Kevin Durant and Kyrie both going to New York, so the odds right now are not in the Celtics' favor. You lose Kyrie Irving, obviously in this trade package. You lose Jason Tatum, you lose Jalen Brown, and then you gain Anthony Davis and a first round pick and probably a first round in the future because they they have I mean a treasure trove of first round picks. But what? How much better does that make your team? Anthony Davis, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Smart. I don't see that the Celtics would have to try and keep realistic. I mean, to get Anthony Davis, it's gonna cost them Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Pelicans are gonna try and squeeze out all the juice from this orange they call Anthony Davis. They're gonna try and get Anthony, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But if you're the Celtics. How good is your team if you lose Kyrie, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown in exchange for one player? And mind you, he would be a rental at this point because, he, again, he only has one year left on his contract, and it's no guarantee that he would re-sign in Boston, especially if this is what the roster looks like. So it's a rental, and you're shipping out your like half your team, Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. It's three, three-fifths of your starting lineup. They'd probably trade away Al Horford as well, because again what use do you have for Al Horford if you're bringing in Anthony Davis so there's four out of your five star five players in your starting five I don't see Boston going all in just yet I mean of course maybe Danny Ainge just really has a lot of confidence in himself being able to re-sign Anthony Davis which he probably does so it's not like the Celtics just won't offer that deal I just don't think it's very likely and I don't think it's incredibly smart to give up all of that all all those assets For one player who could potentially be gone in one season. So there's that. Uh, The Knicks, they do, I mean, numerically speaking, they have the better pick over the Los Angeles Lakers, three. Um, They have the third pick and the Lakers have the fourth pick. But the Lakers have the better young players than the Knicks. I don't understand. Well, not I don't understand. I don't see how Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Knox are more attractive then Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball and potentially Brandon Ingram. And I say potentially because he had the blood clot issue. He had surgery that corrected it, but you know, the teams are just they're just wary of those kinds of injuries. It's not the Chris Bosh, it is the Chris Bosh injury in the sense that it's the same injury, but it's not the severity that Chris Bosh had because that ended his career. It it literally ended his career. He never played another minute in the NBA. Brandon Ingram is expected to make a full recovery and be ready to go by the season's begin. So it's not as severe. But, you know, teams, if they don't want Brandon Ingram, that's fine. Um, The Lakers probably would have had an even better package had they not shipped out Iviza Zubats. But let's let bygones be bygones. There's no crying over spilled milk now. I don't think the Knicks' young players are more attractive in a trade package than the Lakers' young players. I really don't. Even though I'm not a fan of Alonzo Ball and you know this, um, Kyle Kuzma, he's pretty good. He's got some potential. And Brandon Ingram, who I think will be the best of the three, may not even be in the trade package. But here's the thing. It depends on New Orleans. If New Orleans wants Brandon Ingram, they, they're not afraid of the injury, he's gone. Okay, The Lakers are not going to hesitate to ship him out there. So it really just depends on what New Orleans is looking for. And that three, that triad of uh, young Lakers, I still, like, I, I still think that's better than what the Knicks can offer I truly do I think that they're and there's a reason why the Knicks are as bad as they are they're not good at basketball okay the Lakers were the bad because they I mean they were missing LeBron for 17-18 games I mean this season was just I mean it was a snowball effect I've been ripping them all season long it's just gotten worse and worse and worse but they were not expected to be this bad and they weren't this bad their record does not reflect their spot in the draft. They Again, they got lucky in the lottery, which is a great... They essentially were gifted this top four pick, which now they can use going forward. And I still feel like the Lakers, as of, as of this moment in time, have to be the front runners or have to be the best package available for the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans have already said, and David Griffin has said, he has no interest in trading with the Lakers. That's fine. Um... It's a long way even from now to July. A lot can change. Will it, as far as the Pelicans' mentality towards trading with the Lakers? Probably not. But what kind of options will they have? Uh, the Lakers will have the best package for them, as I've said before. Um, unless, a, of course, a team who wants to go all in for one year, and we're going to get into that. I have a list of teams that I think could potentially jump in there. Uh, if you're a team that wants to go in all go all in a one-year like Toronto or Oklahoma City with the possibility that maybe Anthony Davis uh, resigns. signs uh, That's another option, but then, I mean, that's a big if. You have to be willing to take that risk that teams are going to jump in there and uh, potentially trade away a bunch of assets in exchange for a rental player. You see it a lot in baseball. You don't see it as much in basketball. It's gone on in the past two years with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but it traditionally doesn't happen very often. So I don't think I mean I don't think that's set in stone. I don't think it's a hundred percent no deal with the Lakers. I think it's probably more like eighty percent. But again, the Lakers have already beaten the odds. They beat ninety percent to jump into the top four. So nothing is impossible in Tinseltown. Now here are the teams that I think could potentially uh you know swoop in and steal Anthony Davis away from the three front runners. In the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, and they're all pretty interesting teams. They're all good teams that are going to go. None of these teams are rebuilding and hope hoping that they can sell Anthony Davis on their young core or whatever. These are all teams that, if you put Anthony Davis on there, they're title contenders. And some of them are already title contenders without Anthony Davis. So here we go. Um, where are they? Okay, so here are some teams that I think could go all in: uh, the Houston Rockets. Now it'd be really really tricky. For the Rockets to try and get rid of Chris Paul's contract, I do I do think the Rockets are going to try and shop around uh, Chris Paul possibly to no avail because of that that large contract. Uh, Clint Capella would be in this deal because you don't need Clint Capella if you're bringing in Anthony Davis. It would take a lot. It would take a lot for the Rockets to try and bring in Anthony Davis because, I mean, New Orleans is going to be asking for the moon, but this huge contract of Chris Paul. And it would be kind of Strange, I guess, because he'd be returning to the franchise that he started his career with. Uh, it was the New Orleans Hornets at that time, but it's the same franchise. They changed the name to the Pelicans, and the Charlotte Bobcats became the Charlotte Hornets once again. But uh, do I think this trade will happen? Uh, probably not, because I don't. See the The Rockets don't have many assets uh, to offer the Pelicans. I don't see them offering a huge deal. Like, what could they offer that would really catch New Orleans? You know eyes and want want to trade with Houston but Houston will definitely be making some calls and trying to get Anthony Davis and Houston's a big city it's the third biggest city in the nation behind LA and New York it's a big market there's no state tax you're playing with James Harden who's a top 5-4 player in the league you're Anthony Davis who's a top 7-6-5 player in the league like I mean it would be a match made in heaven a guard and a big you're just like one wing, maybe a Chris Middleton away. You sign him in free agency with the extra money you get from uh, getting rid of Chris Paul's contract. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much cap space they have. But I'm saying this move, James Harden, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, definitely makes the Rockets an even bigger threat to the Warriors, especially if they lose Kevin Durant and or Klay Thompson and or DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, second team here. I keep missing my list. Okay, right here. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers—they're probably going to lose to Golden State. They're going to lose to Golden State, and this is the farthest that they've made it in the Damian Lillard era. And you know, they're having a great postseason. A lot of team, a lot of people felt that they would be out in the first round. Pointing at myself here, down—that's what you know. I deserve that one for you know going against my boy Damian Lillard. I I earned that one, but the formula has not worked. And do you want to go at it another, you want to give it another chance, the two-guard system, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum? If you want to, uh, I don't hate the move, but I don't like it either because, again, Golden State, this is probably the end of the, you know, the Durantula era where, you know, they're just unbeatable. But they're still the Golden State Warriors with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. Like, there's not going to be a huge drop. They'll be beatable. But it's still, I mean, you're still going to be the underdog, and it's still incredibly unlikely. They're losing to those Warriors right now. They're playing the Warriors without Kevin Durant, and they lost game one. They played atrocious game one. I mean, it was just bad basketball. They had no idea how to guard Stephen Curry. Um, If they lose again tonight, the series is done. I think they're going to lose anyway, but if they win uh, tonight, make it 1-1, it'll be a lot more competitive but if you lose, and then Kevin Durant won't play again. I think if if the Warriors go up 2 0, they'll just sit they'll just shelve Durant for for until the finals and they'll just they'll just let him rest up. So they cannot it's a must win game for the Trailblazers tonight. Um you're already losing to Curry and Clay. Are you really banking on well, they're losing Kevin Durant, let's give it another go. I do think they'll definitely be all in on Anthony Davis. Uh problem CJ McCollum would probably get dealt in this trade. He'd be the crown jewel of this trade. Um and then they'll throw in whatever else they can. Maybe resign Enus Cant is Enus Cantor a free agent after this season? I feel like he is. I'm not quite sure on that. I probably should should have fact checked before I just said that. But anyway, um you know they could add him in there, do a sign and trade and throw him in that package. Uh Cantor is a great he's a great player. Uh not Anthony Davis and then you'd have Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis on the same team. Definitely respectable. Anthony Davis just steamrolled the trailblazers, trailblazers last year, right? They were swept in the first round. Um, that would definitely make them a lot more um, formidable, especially in the Western Conference. Okay, two more teams. Here. Let's or three more teams. We got to speed it up. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, they've kind of been. They did it first. And they were the kind of. They were the example I used a little bit earlier. They traded for Paul George as a rental. They bet on they went all in on one year. It didn't work out. They didn't win an NBA title. But they were able to re-sign Paul George. They were able to bring him back. So will Anthony Davis decide to re-sign with the Thunder? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not, I would say, because he it seems like he's tired of the small market in New Orleans and losing. So maybe if you start winning, and let's just say they trade, I mean, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Anthony Davis, good lord. You know, they, they'd have to be finals contenders. Let's just say they win. You'd have a really strong case of re-signing Anthony Davis. It'd be tough for him to leave, and the, his biggest excuse would be, I don't want to play in the small market, and OKC is the smallest market in the NBA. But I see this as a success for Oklahoma City because they win an NBA title. You finally put a ring on Russell Westbrook's fingers, you shot everyone up including myself who, who uh, critiques Russell Westbrook you get him a ring you get Paul George a ring i mean this is this is a no lose situation unless you lose and you don't win an nba title then it's you're kind of behind the eight ball this is truly going all in if you're the thunder in the sense that if you if you bust if you don't win the nba title you're in a lot of trouble afterwards um if you win an NBA title and you don't re-sign Anthony Davis, you're still in a lot of trouble, but it doesn't feel as bad because you got a ring on your finger and that just solves a lot of problems. So Oklahoma City, I don't know what they would be able to offer for Anthony Davis. Um again, but New Orleans might just want to trade to anyone who's not named the Lakers. So that might drive down the price for other teams. You know, it's going to be mainly the Lakers and the Knicks. And again, the Lakers will have the better package. And the Pelicans want to trade to anyone else but the Lakers. So I do think other teams are going to try and go in, uh, you know, and steal Anthony Davis for maybe a maybe a cheaper price. We don't know. But I do think the Thunder will probably try and make some calls and bring in Anthony Davis and they'll have a big three. And I think they would have to be the favorites in the West at that point. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, very strong roster at that point. And uh, oh, another team here. We have two more. Uh the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, they've gone up 1-0 in the series. They're already a great team. Brooke Lopez had 29 points last night playing out of his mind. But imagine if you add another superstar, another superstar next to Giannis Kumpo. He's doing this with, like, let's be honest. They're role players. All these guys on Milwaukee are role players, but Giannis is so great. He makes them look like legit starters. And, you know complimentary players to Giannis on Antetokounmpo. They're all good players. Don't get me wrong, but they're not great or superstars or box office as Stephen A Smith likes to say. None of them are fantastic. They're all just good. Imagine what ha- what would happen if you put Anthony Davis with Giannis on to Tokounmpo. Gian- I mean, uh, Davis, Anthony Davis, he's not a sniper clearly. I mean, obviously not. He's a center power forward mix, but he can knock down a few shots here and there. I don't think you would have, and Brook Lopez has found a way to thrive uh, next to Giannis. I don't think adding a center hurts Giannis in this, because everyone says you know you need to clear the lane as far as you possibly can for him to do some damage. You could stretch Anthony Davis. I mean, he he's a real he's like a Swiss Army knife. He can play so many different positions. I I think it would work, and, and just pairing him and Giannis. To, I mean, it looks like they're. It's only one zero. So, I mean, a lot can change in Toronto, evens up the series. But I do think Milwaukee will win the series, which means they would go to the finals without Anthony Davis. Imagine how good they would be with Anthony Davis. There's a lot to think about. And another team, the last team here, the Toronto Raptors. Now, this is only barring they're able to re-sign Kawhi Leonard. Or maybe not necessarily. Well, here, okay, let me give my first scenario here. You re-sign Kawhi Leonard... You bring him back, and you just go all in again for one year. You go all in, and you try to win an NBA title. Because if you lose Kawhi Leonard, and you bring in Anthony Davis just to swap right in, Anthony Davis is not the same player of Kawhi Leonard because he's not—he doesn't have the ball in his hands constantly like Kawhi does. He can't dominate a game. Well, he can dominate a game. I don't know. How, I mean, they're both great players, but I don't think if Kawhi can't win it on his own. Anthony Davis isn't winning it on his own either. So I do think it'd be better if you had Kawhi and Anthony Davis, you convince Kawhi, look, we're making this trade. Maybe you trade for Anthony Davis first. And then that's another, you know, asset in trying to resign Kawhi. I think that duo would be nasty. Definitely. I mean, all these teams are already really good. You put Anthony Davis on there. He puts them over the top and it creates a new dynasty, potentially in the NBA. Um, I don't know if he would resign with any of those teams. But def I mean, if you're going all in for one year, you just want to win a title, you want to stop the Warriors streak, this is the way to do it. You go all in. You re- you give and it might, by the way, Anthony Davis wins a championship as well. It's gonna be hard to turn that down. You go from playing for the Pelicans to now playing for an NBA championship team. It could be very enticing to Anthony Davis potentially. Who knows? That's part of you know the draw of trading for these players like Kawhi and Paul George. Yes, it makes you better right now, but there is a chance it could help you in the long run and make you even better. So those are the teams that I think could uh, engage in the Anthony Davis trade talks this summer. Now moving on to the Shield, the NFL, the National Football League, where there's a story that's pretty disappointing. It's it's a dramatic story, but it's it's kind of like what the Lakers were last week, you know, just Incredibly disappointing. I don't know what other word there is to use. Um, The New York Jets. They fired their GM, who was able to sign Le'Veon Bell, the prime ticket in free agency this offseason. They fire him. They have uh, Adam Gase. I almost said Anthony Gase. They have Adam Gase replace him, which has... (laughs) I don't think it's ever... Has it ever worked in professional sports where the coach is also the GM at the same exact time and their teams were able to compete and win a championship. I don't think it's ever worked. Now there's the, how can you have a chef prepare a great meal if he doesn't have the ingredient? Well, here's my argument to that. A chef, his job, or her, a chef's job is to make food. And a head coach's job is to coach a football team. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, those are two entirely different professions. Stop the chef ingredient analogy. It's never worked, and it has. It's it's not gonna work, especially in a team like the Jets. If it was New England, maybe I I might be on board. I just might be on board if it was New England, and that's it. Really, not even in Oakland, slash Vegas, the most I mean zany franchise in the NFL. Even they brought in a GM. It's ridiculous. They brought in a GM from TV, but they brought in a separate GM. They didn't use the same guy, and they also didn't fire a GM who signed the best player available on the free agent market. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's just so disappointing. And what makes it so frustrating for me is that I was so kind, and I was so high on the Jets coming into this season, and then this happens. It's not even we're barely in OTAs. We're not even in preseason, and already the Jets are going Jets. They're only day would do something this completely idiotic. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I don't know if Adam Gates is the GM or if he's just the interim for, for the time being. I don't know. My gut tells me he's probably going to be the GM until he's ultimately fired from either or both of his positions currently with the New York Jets. And then... That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not even the full story. It's also reported, and this is probably why Adam Gase, you know, volunteered to be the GM and why the GM was fired in the first place. Um, it came out; it was reported that Adam Gase absolutely did not want Le'Veon Bell. Did not want him. Absolutely did not want him in a New York Jets uniform. No way. He didn't. He didn't want Le'Veon Bell. And that makes me want to, quite frankly, just walk into the desert and never to be heard from again. You're the... And I'm... I'm... As I'm saying this out loud, it's even more frustrating to hear because it makes no sense to me. Whatsoever makes absolutely no sense because the Jets have nothing on offense outside of Sam Darnold. He can't throw the ball to himself, okay? Like I did when I was four years old in the backyard, had no one to play with. I would just throw it as high as I possibly could and run as far as I possibly could and catch the ball. Um, That did, while I did score a lot of touchdowns um, in my imaginary games, here I am doing a podcast rather than in the NFL. It does not work. It cannot be done in the National Football League. Sam Darnold can't throw the ball to himself. So you actually, and again, Le'Veon Bell's not even a wide receiver, but he is a weapon. You have nothing on offense. The Jets' defense is actually pretty nice. I will give them that. They add uh, Quinny Williams, the big baby. They add, or not add, they already had Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams. They have a solid defense. But you have to score. You also have to score the ball. Um, you know, especially when you play in a division with the Patriots, you're not going to shut them down. You're going to have to eventually score some points. I mean, they're not being the Patriots anyway, so who cares? But you have to, I mean, you need weapons on offense, especially with a young quarterback. With an offensive coach in Adam Gates, who I, who I applauded the Jets for hiring. I said, this is a great hire. You're all, all going to see. And now here we are. Now I'm the dummy because of Adam Gates not wanting Me on Bell. You actually add a weapon on offense who is, you know, he didn't play last year, which is, you know, kind of a double-edged sword. One side is well he, a lot of mileage that he didn't put on it on his legs, he's not hurt, and the other side is well, is he in shape? Is he ready to go? That's not a huge deal. I can live with Le'Veon Bell being kind of slow the first three, maybe even four weeks of the season. He's gonna kick it into gear eventually. I can live with that and you have him for the next I don't know what how much how long his contract is, but at least what, three years? At least with Sam Darnold only gonna get better, they still need a wide receiver. It makes absolutely no sense to me. What does Adam Gase want? If you're an offense, and maybe this is part of the reason why they never had anything in Miami, this is one of the reasons why I defended Adam Gase. I said it because in Miami they had absolutely zero. Well, actually, they did have some good players. They had Jay Ajayi and they had Jarvis Landry, and they shipped both of them out. They got rid of them. And then they had Ryan Tannehill, and that was it. And they had Frank Gore, right? And Kevin Bellage, uh, and that's it. Those are all the... Oh, Danny Amendola. That's all the players that I can name from Miami's offense from the past four or five years. That's not even this season. That's just from the... That's off the top. That's out of my memory. And so I defended Adam Gates. Said they had absolutely nothing there to work with. What's he supposed to do? He had no ingredients. He had the great value potatoes instead of potatoes from the earth. I don't know. That was a bad analogy because the, the ingredient analogy is in and is it of itself a dumb analogy. They had nothing in Miami. They had zero, no weapons whatsoever. And I defended Adam Gase and I said, look, they have a lot of caps. And that was part of the reason I defended Adam Gase and I said this is going to be a great hire because they're going to sign Le'Veon Bell. And now it's a dumb hire because they signed Le'Veon Bell. Not because he's not a great player, but because it's, it's, they're already behind the eight ball. It's already not going to work for the Jets. How good do you have to feel if you're the Giants right now? How quick of a turnaround was that for them? They're kind of like the Lakers. They went from being one of the most dysfunctional and embarrassing and, I mean, one of the dumbest franchises in their league, and in an instant, they I mean, they're already going the other direction. It's not I mean, of course, they still have to put up with Gettleman and Daniel Jones, but right now all the heat is on the New York Jets. So the Giants are kind of off scot-free. The Lakers actually have kind of shifted their direction. The Giants haven't done anything to change their direction. They're just not, they're kind of out of the spotlight right now. So how good do you have to feel if you're a Giants fan to see to, you know, finally all the criticism is off of you. It's on the other team across the hall at MetLife Stadium. And it just doesn't, they're already, and so this kind of, if you're a fantasy owner, this has to be, well, it's not terrible news because of the timing of it. Do not draft Le'Veon Bell. Because there's already friction, and they haven't even played a down in New York. Also hasn't reported OTAs. Now, I don't care about OTAs, but when there's already a situation like this where there's chemistry issues, it kind of gets magnified. It means a lot more. He's not in OTAs. Don't know when he's going to report. Signed a huge contract. The head coach does not want him. And And they said... No, it's true. Because what I was gonna say is maybe it's not necessarily Le'Veon Bell the player, it's the price. No, it's not. It it's definitely Le'Veon Bell because it it wouldn't have come out that wouldn't have been a story. Adam Gase was not happy with the contract of LeVeon Bell. Cause a lot of people probably would have agreed with him. Because I mean, not necessarily because LeVeon Bell isn't worth it, but because the direction the NFL is going, it's not necessarily A running backs league. You don't want to overpay backs. They deteriorate so quickly. But the story was Adam Gase did not want Le'Veon Bell in the facility. And I I just can't, can't imagine how spoiled you have to be to say you don't need what is the top three, potentially top two running back in the league who can both run and catch passes. So, I mean that's not only that's a weapon for your offense, it's a weapon for Sam weapon for Sam Darnold. It's only gonna make your defense better because you have I mean, when your running game is good, your defense is gonna be a lot better because they're on the field less, they're more fresh, which is the strength of your team, the strength of the Jets are their defense. And you know, then this comes out. It's 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 just so disappointing and frustrating. Cause you say these things like Adam Gates is the best coaching hire. And then this comes out and it's like this season hasn't even started and they're already like trending downwards. And I saw their schedule. It's pretty nasty the first the first few six weeks or so. It's pretty tough coming out of the gate. So it's, they're not, I mean, it's only going to be, a, again, what if Le'Veon Bell does get off to a slow start and you're just getting beat down by these, I mean, they have a really tough schedule opening up the season. It's only going to make this thing, even worse, they're going to throw gasoline on top of a forest fire. It's just, I mean, wow. You know, really disappointing. It's it's just really, really upsetting. And it, there's just so many. It's actually, there's only one finger to, to point and blame. It's Adam Gase. Why do, you, why do these things happen? And this is, I again, it's believable. The story is plausible. Now, Le'Veon Bell said the right things on Twitter. I don't care if anyone likes me or not. I'm just here to win football games. He gave the politically correct response, which is something that Le'Veon Bell has not done over the course of the past year. He has not given the it was, and the font was straight up. It was not upside down. He wasn't on a jet ski. It was just a very formal response. I'm here to win games. Let's get to work, which I loved. But the story is true because the GM was fired. So that tells me Adam GaSe did not want Le. He truly did not want Le'Veon Bell. The GM brought him in. Adam Gase makes a stink to the owner, the pre, whatever. I mean, the higher-ups, whoever has a higher-paid grade than the GM gets him fired and then supersedes himself into the GM position, which has never worked before, and I don't suspect it to work now. It's never worked where the coach is, and the, is the GM at the same time, and the team is even competing for a championship or competing to get into the playoffs. So the Jets' season, before it has begun, has uh, already ended. <sighs> okay, so let's just uh let's just move past that one. Let's put that one in our rear view. That kind of took a lot out of me. Not because that was I mean not because it was a a lot to unbox, but because it's just it's just so frustrating. These frustrating topics are like the Lakers ones, the Raiders, the Jets, you know, teams like you know, stories like this where I'm just like, What what the heck are you doing? Like those stories they take more out of me than the ones where I'm talking for 40 minutes straight. They honestly do because the other one, the ones I'm talking for 40 minutes straight, it's obviously something that I care about and, you know, I have a lot to say on and it's stuff that I want to comment on. This kind of stuff, I don't want to talk about it because it's so, I mean, unbelievably stupid that it's, it's just like, why am I wasting my oxygen on something this dumb? But I have to, I can't go without saying to mentioning it because it's it is news and it is a big story but it just takes a lot out of me to kind of muster up the strength to just i mean kind of even trying to and think about how this kind of situation whatever i don't even forget it we're done with it It, we don't we don't have to talk about the jets at least for today anymore we don't know we're done with them so let's go to the quote of the week let's end it out strong okay let's finish out this great week on a high note all right let's do it quote of the week we find the best quote from the week and we put it at the end of the show and that's why we call it the quote of the week here we go quote against boston you can go down 1-0 and still be fine quote Giannis antetokounmpo ahead of his eastern conference final series against the toronto raptors i don't know why i said it like that i try to be I tried to be funny, and it wasn't. It was just awkward because, I mean, I'm trying to pick up the pace here. Adam Gates, you kind of ruined my good mood a little bit. But here we go. We're going to try and pick it up again. We're restarting it. We're recranking the generator, the engine, and, okay, here we go again. So he says you can go down 1-0 against Boston, which he did, and still be fine in, in the grand sense of the series, which he was because they won every single game after that. And ahead of the Toronto series, the Eastern Conference Finals, he said... Well, that quote of the week, you can go down 1-0 against Boston and still be fine. And then the extended quote is, you can't afford to go down 1-0 or 0-1 to Toronto, especially having the first game at home. And he kind of stayed true to his word because they ended up, they won last night. They played the game one last night in Milwaukee. They were actually down uh, at halftime. Uh, Final score, 108 Milwaukee, 100 Toronto. And... They won this game off of their defense. Now, 100 points sounds like a lot, and it is, but in the NBA, relatively speaking, it's not a ton. I I mean, it's almost average at this point. I don't know what the scoring average is for the season, but it's in the mid to upper 90s. Like, 100 points is not a a lot of points in the NBA. Uh, And they held Kawhi Leonard to zero. Nada. Nothing. Zero field goals in the fourth quarter. That is unbelievable. The way he was able to dominate and impose his will, dictate the tempo and the pace of the game against Phil. I mean, he was, you knew when he was on the floor, you felt his impact. He dominated that series. In every sense of the word, he dominated the Philadelphia series. And it's only game one. I get that. But it's a big statement, and it's a, what a stat. It's almost an unbelievable number. For Kawhi Leonard to be held to zero made field goals for the entire fourth quarter, And Unbe- And it has a, obviously, I mean, well, Dud has a big impact. You play that great defense, you hold their best player to zero scored from the field in a whole quarter. But they were down at halftime. So that I mean, Milwaukee was. They were losing that game. They tightened up on defense. They made some adjustments. <clears throat> Excuse me. They shut down Kawhi Leonard. I think the the only starter. To make a field goal for the Toronto Raptors, only one player to score from the field was Kyle Lowry. So it wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. It was Spicy P. It was Valanchunas. I mean, they just took away, or not Valanchunas, he got traded away, Marcus Gasol. They traded, I mean, they, uh, excuse me, they shut down everyone except for Kyle Lowry. And even he wasn't spectacular. He had five made field goals, which isn't a ton also. So, I think. I mean, it wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. It was their defense against the team as a whole. They play defense together, and this is the kind of matchup that could give Golden State... No, I'm not saying they're going to beat them. I'm not even saying they're going to beat Toronto, because, again, it's only one game. Toronto could come back and tie the series up, and then it's a brand-new ball game. But you play defense like this against an imp- a player with Kawhi Leonard's impact. It's something that makes you feel like they can stand a chance... Against Golden State. Now, if Golden State gets back to Marcus Cousins for the finals, well, then we're talking about something completely different. And then, and even still, that might not be an advantage for Golden State. You're adding just another person who has you have to put the ball in their hands. More minutes have to be managed. That might be. And and again, maybe that's what makes Milwaukee even more threatening. Is that you know Golden State is confused or as to where to put the ball, how to move the ball, where I mean rotations and maybe Milwaukee's defense kind of stifles them and makes it even harder to score and they ended up they end up popping them in the final i don't know but i do think when you play defense like this and this is why i was so high on the celtics coming into the postseason this year is because they way the way they play defense last year the way the celtics played defense last year as a team in the postseason I, i felt they were the best matchup for golden state again not to say that they would have beaten them last year if they had gotten past lebron in game seven but I do think they they might have stolen one or two away from Golden State, the way they play defense. And Milwaukee, their defense, the way they do it, it's not just one guy. It's 12 guys coming at you nonstop. It's, and they're fresh. They're young. This is a team that could give Golden State a lot of problems. That's all I'm saying. Not that they are making the finals or could. I mean, they can. not I'm you know, not saying the series is over or that they're going to beat Golden State. All I'm saying is, Teams that play defense like this, top to bottom, I think could give you a lot of problems in the postseason. So that is the end of our show this week. Thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate it. We kind of did, you know, we picked things up. Adam Gase kind of, you know, depressed me a little bit. Maybe want to walk into the desert. But, you know, we, you know, talking about defense and basketball always makes me, uh always makes me uh smile a little bit, it makes me feel a lot better. So thanks for stopping by. Uh make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, uh, is it follow on Anchor? I think it is. You know, wherever you are, subscribe, leave a review, share with your friends. I would add, I would definitely appreciate it. It'd mean a lot to me. Um, enjoy the game tonight, game singular, because tonight is uh, Golden State and Portland. Golden State can put that series away tonight. I mean, it, it can be over if they win. If Portland wins, they probably still don't stand a chance. But it's not entirely finished. So. You know, definitely worth a watch. You know, get to see, quote-unquote, the vintage Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant, the Splash Brothers. So make sure you watch that. And then tomorrow night, uh, game two of Milwaukee and Toronto, the aforementioned series in the quarter of the week. So thanks for stopping by, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.